It's the least that I could do. You ever said that phrase? Ever felt it? It's the least that I could do. I remember when I had that feeling. It's a few years back, I was interning at a church in South Carolina when I met up with one of my high school friends named Jacques Hockelbord. And we had this idea that we were going to have a potluck on the beach. Folly Beach was next to South Carolina, Charleston area. Beautiful day. And when I came with his family, they had brought an incredible spread for the potluck. King crab legs. Sliced pineapple. Exotic fruit juice, the likes of which you'd find in Whole Foods before Whole Foods was a thing. And after seeing what he brought... What we bought was the least we could do. Now, we were interning at a church, so it was one of the leaner years. But to this feast of king crab legs, you know what we got? I have it for you. Suddenly salad. $1.35 at Walmart. And we didn't even add sausage or vegetables. We just had the noodles that we heated with the pack of sauce in it. And he had the audacity to say he liked the salad. He even asked where we got it from <laughs> as I'm eating king crab legs. <laughs> that suddenly salad was the least I could do, friend. <laughs> you ever been there? Uh, maybe someone gave you uh, a bonus at work, or maybe they shared a vacation with you, and when you go to write the thank you letter, you know that that thank you letter, that, that's just the least that you can do. If you're a kid on Christmas, and you finally get that cell phone, you finally get that video game system, when you go up and you hug your parents, you might have the sense, that that's the least that I could do. As you grow older, and your parents need some help, as kind of the seasons change, and once they watched over you, and now you watch over them, you might have this sense that after all you did, mom and dad, you know what, this it's the least we can do. You know, my wife and I, we're, uh, we're into these cheesy Hallmark movies right now. Does anyone watch them? Okay, yeah. Because things are so bad that even if it's cheesy good, I still like the good over the bad. That's just where I'm at. But anyway, uh, so we were on Netflix, and we watched this one called Operation Christmas Drop. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, you can see it. It's pretty cheesy. Uh, they created this character that is so good, he's unbelievable. Uh, that's this gentleman. And he spends his whole time trying to give presents to the islanders around, uh, spends of his free time, tries to organize volunteers, uses his skills in the Air Force. And the reason that he does it, spoiler alert, is because when he was a young child, they were on a farm. And uh, when it was a lean year, the neighbors got together and they helped out so that they wouldn't lose the farm. And so because of that action, he was so thankful that he spent the rest of his time trying to give back. I wonder if he had the sense, it's the least I can do. But I bring up this conversation for the first takeaway, and if you're taking notes, this would be it. The first takeaway is this, that I don't believe you can be full of thanks without giving. If you're truly thankful for what someone gave, you cannot be truly thankful without saying a word, without giving a hug, without responding. In fact, if you're truly thankful, sometimes if someone has really impacted your life, you now want to impact someone else in the same way. That's just what thanks is. 
And so we're in this series called Thankful, and, and, and how beneficial right now it would be for us all to be filled with thanks. And last week we said, you know, it's not going to happen if we're not content. And today we can't be full of thanks if, if we do not give. Now, I wanted to welcome you again if you're new online or new in this space. And the reason we talk about giving is because you need to know about God. He's a giver. To the degree that you will never outgive him. There's a sweet passage that says, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And this son, he gave his life on the cross so that all who needed forgiveness and peace, all who needed free and full salvation, they find it in Jesus and in him alone. And on the other side of Jesus' cross, we have the opportunity to respond with the whole of our lives. But I would tell you, in regards to what he gave, it's the least we can do. Comparatively, it's like him bringing the king crab legs and us bringing suddenly salad. Yeah, it's still good that we brought something, but it is not the same. But you know what's funny about giving? And this is where I hope the Spirit leads you. You probably heard some joyful music. Because that's what matches the mood of giving. If you get what the, the scriptures say today, you will not be leaving saying, well, why does the church have to talk about money? And all they're into is my money. If you get what the Spirit is saying through the word of God today, you will see even when you give and give generously, there is reason for joy. Well, let me prove it to you. Ready for the word? I need to describe a little bit of what's going on. And so today in the lesson, we meet King David, and some of you might have heard of him. Uh, king David is coming to the end of his reign. He spent 40 years as king. And it's incredible that God saw him through many battles. He was a warrior king. And God saw him through a battle with Goliath, and a battle against his father-in-law Saul, and a battle against Absalom, and many battles versus the Philistines. He... he saw him through it all so that at the end of the life he lived a good long life and had increased in wealth and honor. And at the end of his life, David had this idea, I need to give back. And David had it in his mind to build something worthy of God, which we know as Solomon's temple. And David was not allowed to build that temple because he had blood on his hands, but David could put the blueprints together. And David could collect the materials so in our lesson, what we have is the largest recorded offering in history. David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, has just given, are you ready for this? Ready? Can you just say, I'm ready? He has just given 110 tons of gold. 110 tons of gold. And Bible commentators say this was not from the national treasury. This was from David's personal treasury that he wanted to give to God gladly. And the people, after seeing what David had done, they gave 190 tons of gold in response. Incredible. The greatest offering in history. And now you get to see their attitude about it. You get to see the joy. You ready? So I'm going to invite you to stand as we hear the word of God. We do this in honor of the fact that God is speaking to us through these words. 
So here we go. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you, for you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name because you give in order to give thanks. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we've only given what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow and without hope. But Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever, even in 2020. Keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees. And to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Did you pick up on his heart? There was joy as he gave the greatest offering in history. And can you just say out louder to someone next to you, we get to give. We get to give. Amen and amen. Please be seated. I always hope your best moments are in the word of God. I hope that you would leave today with some joy. So let's talk. Um, have you guys heard of the Halloween parental candy tax? The parental candy tax. I was reading an article that says it is good when the kids are done with trick-or-treating and they come home with their pile of candy that mom or dad would tax the candy. That mom or dad would look at that pile and say, you know what, some of this is mine. Now, this, this article said, you know, it'll train them well when they get their first job and they have to give some of the tax money back to God. In fact, in the article, the dad had said this, you know, um, we were, well, you were able to go out trick-or-treating because your mom and I took you and your sister, so we should be able to enjoy some of the treats. Now, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I have a hunch at how most kids would react to the parental tax. As those kids are looking at the pile and understanding what they want, guess how much of it they want to give back to mom and dad? My hunch is none of it. <laughs> you know what? That Reese's peanut butter cup that you want, mom or dad, that's just as delicious in my mouth too, and can't you get your own, right? Now, now it's interesting as I bring up the idea of a Halloween parental tax, because when it comes to giving back to God, can we just be real today? Sometimes we feel like that kid and, and, and with his candy. We say, God, but this was my pile. 
And, and I would have used it on something sweet. Why do you need to take my Reese's peanut butter cups? Don't you have enough? And let's be honest how, how real that is. And I think according to our sinful nature. That, 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 that's how we feel. But what I see is a better way. What I see is David's understanding of what is going on. In fact, after David had just given of his personal treasure, he pushed what some commentators say most of the pile towards God of what he had had. And this is what he had to say. He said, you know what? Everything comes from you. And we have given only what comes from your hand. Now, at this point in life, David was an old man about to go to heaven. And the only reason David was still alive is because God saw him through battle after battle after battle. The only reason David has wealth, he collected it from other nations that he had conquered, of which the Lord allowed him to conquer by his strength. And yes, David might have had battles to face, but it was God who won the victory. Do you have that sense? Yes, you might work hard, you might have some talent and ability, but without God's blessings, you and I would have none of it. And so our takeaway when it comes to this is, is here, that if you forget where it came from, you may forget who it's for. That God at any time could say, you know, give me 10%, give me 50%, let me have the whole pile. And the thing about God is that if you do this, does God know how to give back to you? Does God know how to make sure that you're still provided for? You know, it's interesting, I'm actually a dad who does the parental tax at times um, of the candy, and, um, and I've seen the reaction of some of my girls, I won't pick on the girl, um, but, but what my girl doesn't know is that at any time, I can go to Walgreens and restore that plenty, like quadruply, like in a minute, in a second, but she doesn't know, Right? And isn't that the Christian when it comes to God? Uh, okay, what do you want? Because I know and I trust you could quadruple, you could give me all that I need. You know, I love the confession we have in the first article. It says, I believe God still preserves me by richly and daily providing clothing and shoes and all I need. And this is the understanding of every Christian. And so whether... It is 10%. Whether it's just a little piece of candy, whether it's the whole pile, it came from God and God knows how to provide. But what if we pushed more of the pile? Do you know in the New Testament there's this account where this widow gave all that she had, two copper coins, and Jesus actually said what she does was a beautiful thing. Maybe you heard of the widow's might. And I have a hunch that she actually turned out okay. I have a hunch that God still provided and was still good to that widow. Do you have that hunch? But to be honest, this is a challenging word. And it is not the way that most people look at giving to God. You know what a challenge is? It challenges all of us who'd like to think that we got what we got because of our hard work ethic. It challenges people who say, you know what, I am a self-made man or woman. 
It challenges the thought that I have never taken a handout a day in my life. Because the reality is, you have taken a handout every single day of your life. Your very life is a handout from God. And so today, if we're going to repent, it's repenting over misunderstanding whose it is and who's it for. It was all God's anyway. So what do you want, God? Here I am. We repent of greed that just wants more and more of the pile rather than understanding what money is for. And as we do, let me remind you of the grace of God. God so loved that he gave his son. The son so loved that he gave his life. The spirit so loved that he made a dead thing alive through faith. And because of him, what we have been given is peace. We have been given a peace that the world does not know about. A peace with the knowledge that our sins are forgiven for all the times we didn't want to give of the pile. We are forgiven and at peace for all the times that greed got the best of us. The Lord has given us joy. Joy knowing that we have opportunity to give back. Joy knowing his will and knowing what pleases him. And we have an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept by God for us in heaven forever and ever. Yes, when we give back to God, even as we consider it, it is still suddenly salad to king crab legs. It is still the least we can do. But I'd be remiss not to tell you about the opportunity of generosity. The opportunity that exists before our short lives are done. We are not here long, friends. In fact, to tell you about this, I remember I was watching a ministry that I had a hunch would explode. I had a hunch that God was going to use them greatly. And part of it, it was because they had a very um, effective ministry, but also because of how they talked about money. I remember tuning in as they were talking about money, and they had this sense that this was an opportunity to make a big splash for God. And the leader of the charge, the pastor there, gave as his gift his emergency fund. And if you're a Ramsey person, you know what that is. He gave his emergency fund in trust of God for this big push. And sure enough, a decade later, if you go to the podcasts, they're one of the top 25 podcasts in the nation. I had a hunch they'd take off. You know, before Caleb came in the area, as someone who had been in other parts of the country, I had a hunch that Caleb would come to Chicago. You know why? Because I remember how they talked about money. And they talked about money as if it were an opportunity, not an obligation. They said, look at what you could do, what you could be a part of, the stories that could be told because of your generosity. And sure enough, Caleb is here. I remember WBGL and Shine, but Caleb is here. And what did I know in my heart of hearts as I observed that ministry that came and Caleb that has came? I observed this. There is a correlation between the level of generosity and the level of impact. I consider David here. 
No one told David to give 110 tons. Didn't have to do it. But he did it. So that when the temple was finally built, look at the reaction in 1 Kings. They blessed the king and they went home joyful and glad in heart for all the good things the Lord had done for his servant David and his people Israel. There was incredible joy as all of that gold was used for the temple. And they came and they saw an ancient wonder of the world, Solomon's temple, in all of its splendor. It was so magnificent that when they went to build a second temple, those who remembered the first temple wept because they knew they would never come close to the splendor of what David did. You know, it reminds me also of a young lady. There was a woman in the Bible in the New Testament who poured perfume on Jesus' feet. That perfume was used, was worth a year's wages. And Jesus said, what you have done by pouring this perfume was a beautiful thing. In fact, your story will be told with mine because of what you have done. I love the sense that David had. Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give in this way? You know, I wonder... I wonder if David knew in this moment, knew through the Holy Spirit, what kind of impact he could have been making. He wasn't there to see the temple being built, but maybe he envisioned this would mean a lot to God's people. The Queen of Sheba actually came to see that temple. That woman who gave the perfume. That morning, she might have looked at the alabaster jar and wondered, is it worth it? It's a lot. But knowing that her story would be told with Jesus' story, don't you think she would have thought, that's a good trade? That I was preparing Jesus for his burial. That my story would be told with him for a bottle of perfume? That's a good trade. For the glory of God, 110 tons? That's a good trade. And then for us, we have one opportunity to make a splash for the kingdom of God. And here's what I believe. More of the pile that we push to God, the more we will be saying, that's a good trade. Because in a world where nothing else really lasts, the kingdom of God does. Think of all the other things you can spend your money on. I would tell you they're lesser things. In fact, I was reading the newspaper and uh, I saw a picture of the Villa Taj. This is a house in Burr Ridge, built in 2008, and the asking price at one time was $25 million. $25 million. And uh, over time, it, it wasn't used, and so the water pipes broke in the basement, and there was some damage done. And the reason it made the Chicago news is because it had just sold for $3 million. But can you imagine if you put in all the hard work and all the cost now selling for a fraction of the price? These are lesser things, aren't they? And didn't Jesus warn us about this? In fact, Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where water pipes burst, where the market changes, and where thieves break in and steal. That's not a good trade. Or think of all the other things that money does. 
Money buys toys that are no longer used, clothes that you no longer wear or have never worn. Anyone there? Mm -hmm. Or possessions that are a burden. You know, I'm not against those who own a boat. Again, if, if God has given you a boat, hey, that's awesome. But it was interesting as you Google um, the two best days of boat ownership. Have you heard of this? The two best days of boat ownership. Number one, the day you bought it. And number two, the day you sell it. Because on the day you bought it, you're like, ah, it's mine. Until you're like, ah, it's mine. And this is the way of the world. And so if you use your money on all the things of the world, you, you need to know these are going to be the lesser things. In fact, I even want to talk about a good thing that is still a lesser thing. At Amazing Love, for our Christmas drive, uh, we're going to give to all God's people. And we're going to make sure that kids who otherwise might not get toys will get toys this Christmas. And that's a good trade. It is good when I trade some of my money for the smile of a child who sees that this is a good time where God gave and is represented through a present. And while I encourage you to give, please consider it. Let's get perspective. It's still a lesser thing. Jesus said, when, when they talked about the perfume the woman gave, the poor you will always have. Christmases will come and Christmases will go. And the toy that you give, even though I encourage you to give it, will not last forever. And so with the Spirit of God, come with me to a higher plane and understand this, that it is a privilege to support an everlasting kingdom. It is a privilege to use our, our earthly goods for something that can endure long beyond us, as David gave, as the woman gave. In fact, David said this as he came to the end of his life, we are foreigners and strangers. As were our ancestors, our days are like a shadow. And because they're just like a shadow that leaves and goes, there's only one thing that will remain forever. It is an everlasting kingdom. So the opportunity. You know, it's interesting how other generations of Christians have taken that opportunity. And we live with the recognition of the works that have gone by. In fact, I was listening to another pastor who believes that stained glass, and maybe you've seen some beautiful stained glass, stained glass in medieval times was the telling of the gospel to many people. Because in that age, many people could not speak the language of Latin of which the service was in. Many people could not read the Bible, and so people used that stained glass, that beautiful art, to tell the story of Jesus. Have you ever seen Christians produce incredible works to make a splash. I consider Crown Point and the Stations of the Cross, some of the churches that I've observed over time. I remember a trip to Munich, Germany. This was one of my favorites. I know it's not the most grand, it's not St. Peter's and Rome, but there's something, and, and maybe I was before my time because it's gray, and I liked it because it's trendy. Um, but, but no, it was just, I was in this environment, and I was looking at everything that was carved in, and I'm like, that's awesome. I'm so glad a Christian said, you know what's worth my time and effort? To make a splash for the kingdom. To make sure that even though my life is a shadow, maybe by being part of an everlasting kingdom, 
I can leave something beyond me because I've tied it to Jesus. Now is that time. Here's the cool thing. If we don't push any of the pile, God's still going to be good to you. He is because he loves you radically and his grace is not conditioned on your performance. He's still going to take care of you. Make sure that your needs are met and tell you that Jesus died for you. You know the opportunity as we push the pile? What if we could leave something lasting? What if because of the way we supported gospel ministry, someone joined us forever in heaven simply because we were radical about people knowing Jesus? Because we were radical about the idea of an everlasting kingdom and we used our time and energy and yes, our money to pursue that and go after it. And what would the attitude be if we pushed the pile? I love what it said in verse 9. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders. None of them were like, oh, my candy, give it back, what did I do? No, they had freely given wholeheartedly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced greatly as he gives up his possessions. He says, man, this is good, and who am I, the God you'd use me to tell such a story? And so what is there when we're generous? There is joy. There is joy. Because we know God has given so much. Because we have opportunity to use the lesser things of the world to store up the greater things for eternity. So may God so inspire us. You know, I know we might still be giving suddenly salad to King Crab's legs. I know that still we might have the sense it's the least that I could do. But what if Christians got a hold of, it's not the least I can do. I'm actually going to live my life. God, it's not what you gave, but it's the best I can do. I want to be like that. What about you? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, fill us with the spirit that gives us eyes to see the opportunity before us. Not to waste our life or what you gave, but leaving an internal impact. Bless the local church amazing love as your people continue to be generous. Lead the work here to have lasting impact, just as your saints' work did through the ages. Thank you that even though we bring our best, we still can't bring what you brought. You gave so much, for you have given life and salvation through your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.